You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast Series with Executive Women's Forum. Hello, podcast listeners. In this episode, we're bringing to you a discussion around critical national infrastructure with our host, Kristen, and her guests, Chantelle and Sandy. With operational technology taking prime spot in news headlines with the recent ransomware attacks, our guests provide their insight on the different threat vectors that OT faces with components of critical national infrastructure being exposed to the internet. Sandy and Chantel talk about how IT and OT can come together and how regulatory bodies are responding to tackle the external adversaries that are exploiting these gaps in the dynamics of IT, OT, and cloud. Ladies, thanks so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to chat with me. I've been excited about this podcast for a while, not just because of the ongoing saga around the Colonial Pipeline event, but more generally because the topic of securing our critical national infrastructure, or CNI, has always been fascinating to me. You know, I think in life, we all have things that are that we're blissfully unaware of and sort of just go about our daily lives, right? I think that's pretty normal. But I think for a majority of Americans and even citizens of other first world nations, critical national infrastructure is definitely one of those things. And it's what's super interesting to me is that, you know, the water you drink, the lights that you use in your home, prescription medications you take, the food you eat, you know, these everyday luxuries are susceptible to not only natural disasters, but also to bad actors. Case in point, the ransomware attack on Colonial Pipeline. And the fallout from that was pretty terrible, but it's minor compared to what it probably could have been, right? And the reality is that infrastructures that provide things like electricity, gas, water, etc. are actually quite vulnerable, which is what we're going to take a deeper dive on today. And more specifically, I think we're going to talk about the boat power system and a little bit about the pipeline. Now, in the past, a lot of these infrastructures had to worry mostly about physical threats, natural or man-made adversarial type threats. However, with the shift of technology innovations, what a lot of people fail to realize is that critical national infrastructure, such as the energy grid and the oil pipeline, have a lot of technological components that are connected to the internet. And this is to do things like remotely operating systems, monitoring of systems, maintaining systems. You know, and while this allows for a very convenient and efficient operation of the power grid or the pipeline or other infrastructures, it also exposes threat vectors that didn't exist previously. Now, it's not like nothing's been done to help protect these critical infrastructures, right? So Specifically talking about the bulk power system, there are two main organizations that aim to set standards to protect them. One is FERC, F-E-R-C, which stands for Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. It's the U.S. federal agency that regulates the transmission and wholesale of electricity and natural gas via the pipeline. The other is the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, or NERC. It is a not-for-profit international regulatory authority whose main mission is to assure that the VPS is effective and efficient and reduces a lot of risks that might be posed to it. NERC develops and enforces reliability standards, annually assesses seasonal long-term reliability, and monitors the bulk power system through system awareness. And they also do things like require education and training for various personnel that work within the BPS. So, okay, these oversight organizations and standards exist. 
then why are things like this ransomware attack on the colonial pipeline still happening? Well, here to help me understand a little bit more about some of these issues causing these events and some of the best practices that should be implemented to prevent them are Sandy and Chantel. Combined, they have decades of experience in dealing with these issues and have a lot of insights to share. So I'm really excited you're both here. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Kristen. I'll kind of go first and kind of piggyback on on what you did as the intro. Because in today's environment and our critical infrastructure, there's decades worth of differences. The critical infrastructure used to be based upon operational technology. And today's environment is based upon information technology and using the internet. Both worlds are colliding, which is why ransomware is the bane of our existence right now in that critical infrastructure. IT is poking holes between IT and OT. So between the non-talking sides of the fence so that those external parties can now get information from those systems that were never supposed to connect to the internet. So that ransomware, the various attacks against our critical infrastructure are because those two sides are not talking. IT, they want to stay on their own side. OT that are in that control room running as operators of the critical infrastructure, they're trying to learn that IT and help protect it. So working together on both sides of that fence is something that we continue to need to help limit the risk as we are moving forward. Hence, NERC is coming up with new cybersecurity additions to the NERC critical infrastructure, SIP, requirements. Chantal, do you want to talk about a few of the cybersecurity updates that NERC is doing to try and bring OT and IT closer together? Absolutely, Sandy, and thanks for that. So, you know, as Sandy mentioned, you know, NARC, well, the regulatory world in general, right, is always evolving and changing, right? And we must keep up with it. And one of the big changes that NARC recently made to its standards includes supply chain risk management requirements. And this is pretty new to a lot of the vendors in the OT space that have been already you know, contracting with P&U customers. And now they'll have to, you know, build into their programs, you know, some controls to make sure that they're able to sufficiently provide P&U entities with evidence to show that they've, they've been doing their due diligence to make sure that they're watching their own supply chain, right? And making sure that the firmware and hardware and software, right, that they're using, that they're purchasing from other vendors is secure and doesn't pose any threat. So NERC is now requiring PNU entities to perform risk assessments on these entities. And what does this mean? This means that 
the PNU entities are reaching out to their vendors and saying, hey, we have a series of questions for you. Do you purchase parts that are made in, you know, high risk countries that we have sanctions against? For example, do you perform identity and authenticity checks on your software prior to installing it into your systems? So, you know, things of that nature are brand new into the NERCSIP space. And, you know, as such, this is also new and we can sort of segue into cloud infrastructure, right? Because there's been a lot of discussion around cloud and we're seeing more and more entities are choosing to move to the cloud. And why is that? There are several reasons, several benefits, and we can also discuss some of the risks and challenges and I'll get to that too. But there are several benefits of moving to the cloud. So you will find that many, many PNU entities in, in particular are making this leap. But there is some hesitation in the OT space and, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But what are some benefits? Well, for one, the agility, the scalability, and the resilience that you find in the cloud. There's virtually no downtime at all when there's a failure, right? Because the resources are distributed across various geographic regions. And if one, you know, senses that there's a failure or an issue, the cloud almost instantaneously will start up another one. So you don't have those issues of, of downtime. Also increased CIA, right? The CIA triad, confidentiality, availability, and integrity. Security becomes a shared responsibility when you move assets to the cloud. So you're, you're sharing some of those responsibilities with the cloud service providers who have been, you know, in a position to ensure that they're keeping their environment secure because they're in a multi-tenancy environment, right? So they have to make sure they have specific security um, controls in place. Also, their physical data centers, really, really secure, basically like Fort Knox, right? Because they have to be. And also CSPs, they actually build security into CSP. Sorry, that's cloud service providers for folks who don't know that acronym. CSPs build security right into a lot of their product offerings. And that security is inherited by the entity. So some of those, you know, specific requirements that entities may have to abide by, they may find is already within, inherently within a product that they purchase from a CSP. The other thing is CSPs go through vigorous and various levels of certifications, including ISO and SOC and FedRAMP, if you're familiar with those. So the cloud is becoming very attractive. Now, what are some of the risks or the challenges? Well, as we mentioned, right, building solutions on cloud that are not compliant with regulatory, legal, or privacy requirements would be a problem. And in this complex and evolving regulatory world, you have to keep up with it. Another issue would be if the cloud service provider is not meeting the third-party supply chain security controls, like I mentioned earlier, right? This is due to their, you know, lack of understanding or experience, right? They never really had to do this before. And cloud service providers are generally, you know, at least the main ones, right? They're, they're big companies. They have lots going on. And to be able to cater to each individual customer would be impossible. So they have to come up with sort of global processes to ensure they're able to provide their processes and procedures to entities to make them feel secure that they have proper supply chain risk management protocols in place. 
And last but not least, you know, this is the area that I think most folks think of when they think of what, you know, risks to the cloud, unauthorized access to data, right? Due to, you know, unsecured data storage configurations. And this can be either by the customer or by the CSP. This is a risk because, you know, cloud can be complex. And if something is misconfigured, or if there's a lack of understanding in some of the configuration settings, there could be a miss, right? And then you may have, you know, a situation where some data is breached. And, you know, this can happen on the customer side or the CSP side. A lot of times it happens on the customer side, though, to be honest, because it's not their products, right? They don't know the cloud intuitively as the cloud service provider would. So those are some of the challenges with cloud. I wanted to bring that in there because that's, that's, you know, one of the new hot topics. But, you know, what we're seeing is lots of changes in the regulatory world. You know, NERCSIP, I mean, that's obviously my background. So I know the most about that area, but I would assume there are lots of regulations out there that are evolving to accommodate, you know, different things, including cloud, you know, or even supply chain risk management, you know, which seem to be the the two hottest topics that are basically, you know, talked about the most currently. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with that, Chantel. And I think one of the one of the things you said right towards the end about making sure or whose fault is it, right? Is it the customer or the CSP? And I think what a lot of people aren't aware of, or a lot of organizations that are using these products is it's the onus is on them to your point where they maybe they don't understand the cloud, but the onus is totally on them for understanding what they are responsible for as a user entity and what the cloud service provider. And I think it just boils down to probably education and understanding of maybe the, the IT personnel um, on the customer side. And, and Sandy, I don't know if that sort of ties in the, the OT side. Like, Obviously, we're talking IT side in terms of use of software and tools and, and, and configuring them correctly. How do you think that we could bring IT and OT together? Well, one, Chantel bringing up the various risks and challenges with cloud, but the benefits, you know, IT is moving there. But Kristen, as you mentioned, you know, bringing IT and OT together We still have the issue of separation of duties, but extracting that data and putting it up to the cloud so that regulatory bodies and other external parties can get those metrics is where that bridge can start happening. But power companies and the water companies and all that critical infrastructure, most of the people at a plant have an OT background. So they contract IT, which goes back to the third-party vendor management risk assessment issues, and that gets down to procedures and processes, change management, configuration management. And then as Chantel had brought up the risk assessment, did the plant just go out and hire the cheapest IT to help them support the environment? who doesn't know about security at all? Or do they have a blend to help bring both sides together and build a better product? OT, until that technology is brought up to date, those control systems, it's going to be hard and you're going to need converters is really the, the plain English term 
of what OT needs to IT to be able to translate that information into a readable format for whomever needs to use it. And I'll pause to see if, you know, you, Kristen or Chantel, have any questions or need me to explain that baseline any farther. Well, one thing I want to add to that, Sandy, is, you know, from a regulatory perspective, right? We're not ready yet either, right? At least from the NERC-SIP perspective. So the NERC-SIP requirements were originally written to accommodate on-prem physical assets, right? It wasn't even, you know, a thought at the time to consider virtualization. So now, you know, virtualized assets, you know, are currently not even an asset type when it comes to identifying your assets, right? The first step in the NERCSIP process, categorize all of your assets based on those categorizations. You can apply the remainder of the uh, controls and processes. So since that doesn't even exist, right? How can we even bring virtualization into this space and still be compliant? So that's another huge barrier um, that's in place right now of bringing on OT assets, you know, under NERC scope. But, you know, NERC is acknowledging this. They do have a standards drafting team right now currently underway who is addressing virtualization and they're literally updating all of the NERC SIP standards to address it. And then there's also a standards drafting team that's taking a look at what NERC calls BCSI or Best Cyber um, System Information, which is really just, you know, your, your critical information about your assets and making sure, you know, can we store just the data, critical data in the cloud? Maybe that's the first step. And if we have the proper controls and encryption in place, then, you know, perhaps we can make that move. But yeah, Stan, I just wanted to piggyback on that, that, you know, even from a regulatory perspective, we're not ready yet either. So there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I mean, I... I... 100% agree with with everything that you guys are saying. And I think sort of what I'm hearing is, for lack of a better way to put it, is yes, neither side is prepared. It sounds like both sides are moving forward, like the, the operators and the onboarding of the IT that they're using. Like they're, they're moving forward to make things easier, more efficient, better. And then the regulatory side, like NERC-SIP, like I'm curious, and Chantel, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but do you think that there's requirements that are currently in place that they, that organization or that these power plants or the, the pipelines and, and I guess when you start talking about FERC and all of that stuff, is there requirements that are currently in place that are inhibiting moving forward to a place where IT and OT can come together? Like, is it almost like you need to deconstruct or reconstruct? Cause obviously there's strict requirements to, to meet these various standards, right? So is there anything that's in place that like maybe are inhibiting us from moving forward while things are sort of getting straightened out on either side? I think there's two parts to that. So one part is there's an up. So if we look at the current standards today, I wouldn't say that the nurse of standards inhibit IT and OT from being together. Since IT is sort of out of scope. Most entities choose to keep it that way, right? To limit their exposure to possible violations, right? You know, I'm only going to meet the requirements at the, you know, the minimum required and not go above and beyond, right? I mean, I've seen entities have their SEMS solutions be completely separate, two separate SEMS solutions, one for IT and one for OT. That's not necessarily something that they would need to do, but they feel comfortable doing it 
because they say, well, I can designate this one as the SIP one and this is the non-SIP one and I'll add the SIP controls to this one and don't have to worry about the other one. The other piece to this is when you look at, when you talk about cloud, for example, so the NERCSIP standards, like I said, today, they don't, you know, I don't want to say they explicitly prevent cloud migration, but they definitely make it challenging. Like at this point, you know, I don't think folks in the industry are convinced that they'd be able to convince an auditor that they are compliant with putting their OT assets on the cloud as the standards are written today. Because like I said, from the basic standpoint of you have to identify and classify your assets, right? Well, the, based on the NERC definitions, these are all physical assets. There is no definition for a physical cyber asset. Where does it exist? Do we just assume that definition can be folded into a best cyber asset? I don't know. So that's that's where it, you know, the waters are a little bit muddy. I love how you summarize that because I think that's exactly what I was looking for is like, there's nothing that's maybe they're not necessarily fighting against each other, but they're certainly not facilitating working together at the current moment. And our organizations just doing like the little small security things that are required without going above and beyond and making sure it makes sense for their environment. In some respects, yes. Because OT needs to understand situational awareness and know their assets. From the IT side, you know, they don't even qualify many times information as an asset. And sometimes it's more critical than a server. So IT needs to understand that situational awareness with regards to NERC SIP requirements. And As Chantel said, that definition of assets needs to be refined, but you need to have that list. And because there is no clear distinction and line of what assets qualify for NERC-SIP and those audits, yes, many organizations are drawing their own line in the sand and doing the requirements and controls for one set of systems. But once the data goes out, well, you know, that doesn't really qualify. So I don't have to bring that into my audit. Well, yes, you do. It's storage. It's transmission. It's creation. It's distribution of data. That whole process needs to be classified and brought into the asset category to be able to protect everything which would then help more classification within the NERC SIPs and make those audits stronger and let the repercussions of those that are doing the minimum can now have to take that next step forward and become more secure to meet the NERC SIP. Chantel, I saw you going back and forth. So what are your comments to wrap up? Yeah, one thing about that, Sandy, I wanted to add is that it's, you know, at the same time, you know, I think NERC is doing a great job, but maybe they can speed up a little bit and, and come up to <laughs> to speed with what's going on in the world today. Meaning, you know, why did it take this long for them to address virtualization? That's not even a new technology, right? So for them to be addressing and right now, they're only addressing virtualization on-prem. 
they're not even really getting to the cloud yet, other than discussing the possibility of BCSI in the cloud. So I think, you know, you know, this is commonplace with regulators, right? But maybe they need to also start trying to make sure two things. They need to make sure they're, you know, keeping up with the times of ever-changing technology, but also making sure that the requirements are written to accommodate such, right? So that's one of the things that the virtualization team, I think, is realizing now, like, there's no reason to write these standards so specific to cloud so that when the next technology comes about, now we have to revise the standards again. You know, but I get it. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But, you know, hopefully going down the line, you know, they'll get better at that. Agreed. 200% agree with that. <laughs> 400, because I'm also 200% agree. Uh, okay, so, and, you know, I guess in summary, I, I think we've covered like literally the tip of the iceberg here. I think what's really interesting is to introduce our listeners to a new topic, right? Which maybe they don't think about. And, you know, my goal isn't for them to walk around being scared about our, our infrastructure being vulnerable to you know, ransomware or bad actors virtually, but I mean, it's a reality, right? So I think just shining a light on it and, you know, there are so many different critical infrastructures that we could talk about that, you know, really when you get down into it, I actually have to stop myself because I I started to get all like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe like, where is this and how's this working? So really interesting stuff, ladies. I think you're both extremely brilliant and I appreciate your insight into this topic. And maybe in the future, if we feel like talking about it more, we'll do another podcast. What do you say? That sounds sounds good. great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. Thank Thanks you. so much.